Thank you for listening to the Trinity Baptist Church podcast from Asheville, North Carolina. For more information on Trinity Baptist Church, please visit tbcashville.org. Or to learn more about our senior pastor, Dr. Ralph Sexton, please visit ralphsextonministries.com. The speaker for today is our senior pastor, Dr. Ralph Sexton. Take your Bible tonight and we'll continue in the book of Acts. I hope you've enjoyed uh, Barabbas uh, this morning, the encourager. And that and uh, Barnabas, I'm, and I had Barabbas on my brain a minute ago over in the office. I was writing up a little thing that I didn't want to forget when we got to the garden tomb uh, about Barabbas. And uh, I thought, I sat over there and I wrote Barabbas down and I said, I'm going to get over another building and call Barnabas Barabbas. <laughs> so I was imprinted, but that's okay. Thank God for somebody there to straighten me out. Uh, the encourager, Barnabas, that we have uh, in the Word of God and that we are to be encouraged. So I want to sort of pick up with part two on him and... Uh, Let's review the scripture very quickly. Go back with me to John 1, verse 14. John 1, verse 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. And then it says, the word was made flesh, dwelt among us, and in that parenthesis, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, parenthesis closed, that's there to make sure you know he's talking about Jesus. There's only one, only begotten of the Father, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's why that phrase is in there. Somebody asked me this morning, what does that parenthesis mean? It's a modifier. It's an explainer. It's so that you will understand. And then it says, full of grace and of truth. Now, connecting the grace and truth, go with me to uh, Acts and go to chapter 4. And verse 33, and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. That's the same that we just read over in John 1:14. So uh, we are to be encouraged because why the Word, the Lord Jesus Christ, was made flesh. And what did we say this morning? Man, that's wonderful, but that's not the end of the story. The, the rest of the story is he dwell among us. No longer is it a tabernacle, no longer is it a temple, but now I have the indwelling presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. So because of that, I should be encouraged tonight. You should be encouraged. And then God said, if I'm going to reflect him, if I'm going to be a... My name Christian means I'm a little Christ. That's what my name means, your name means. You're a little Christ. You're like Jesus. Then I am to be an encourager. And uh, when I'm encouraging, then I am being like Christ. Now go to Acts 4. And we started off this morning in 31. It says, when they had prayed. When they had prayed. Uh, we didn't have time to cover all this this morning. But the very fact that you can pray is an encouragement. 
What if you couldn't pray? What if you couldn't talk to God? You say, well, then how does God talk to me? All right, back up to John 1, 14. And the what? Word became flesh. So when I read my Bible, that's Jesus talking to me. When I pray, this is me talking to Jesus. You follow that? So when we pray, we're talking to God. We read the Bible. God's talking to us. Now, you say, well, I don't understand it all. I don't understand it all. There's no living human being that understands it all. But what I do need for today, He, the Holy Spirit, that lives inside of me, will reveal His Word and make it life and light unto my path that I'll know what to do and how to cope and how to handle. And so you will go through situations and things you don't necessarily understand, but we have the encouragement of the Word. We can pray. God can talk to us through the Word, and God will let the Holy Spirit uh, make something real, make it understandable. And how do you explain? You may have read a chapter in the Bible 10 times or 20 times or 50 times, and all of a sudden one morning you got your cup of coffee, minding your own business, and you boom, and that whole verse is in neon lights, and it makes sense, and it's never made sense before. Well, that's the Holy Spirit. He reveals it when you need it. Uh, you know, a fellow was talking to me a few weeks ago about he had gotten a bad report uh, from the doctor, and it didn't look very uh, good in man's eyes for him. And he said, I'm saved. He said, why am I afraid of the outcome? Why am I afraid? And I said, do you want to die? He said, no, I don't want to die. I want to live. And I said, well, guess what? I don't want to die. I, I want to live. Uh, and uh, will I go out and play in I-26? No. No. You better not. Uh, they'll pave you right now. And, and so you're, you want to live. And I said, God puts that in you. If you got the real bad flu, you would die if you didn't have a desire to live. You fight through the discomfort, the pain, the aggravation. That's what makes us get better when we get sick is the desire to live. He said, well, if I love the Lord, then why am I afraid? And I said, because you're not going anywhere. You don't need a ticket till it's time to ride. And when you need a ticket, you won't be afraid. That's what God does. That's grace uh, that we've yet to discover. Was it uh, Tom that wrote about New Grace? And uh, when he wrote that song, New Grace, that it's grace that we are, are yet to discover, that we've not tasted of it yet. So that's how God deals with us. I, I, this word will be revealed. It will be brought to life. It will be grace. And notice the first uh, part of that, or the second part of that verse, uh, he said grace and truth. That's that revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ in John 1:14. You not only have the grace of God, but you have the truth. That's the revelation as you need it. So when they prayed, that's an encouragement you can pray. Acts 4:31, the place was shaken. Your life will be shaken. Your marriage will be shaken. Your family will. Anything that the power of God touches will be changed, all right? And it says, when they were assembled together, the key phrase there is that together. And then we talked about this morning, those that believed, not all believed, but a multitude did believe 
they became in one heart, that's salvation, one soul, that's in love and care and fellowship one for another, that we identify with each other. So if I'm going to be an encourager, then I have to be able to have compassion for other people. And this is what God does when he saves us. So literally, they prayed together. Uh, they gave uh, in benefit of each other. And then they graced each other by being servants one to another. Now, the key to spiritual victory in this process of Barnabas that we've been talking about is that he was just one person. He was just one man. That's all he was. One sincere person, okay? And uh, he was in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there's two keys to this encourager walk and encourager fellowship. And we use two elements to help others and to encourage others. We use words, number one, and number two, we use action. But for me to be able to use them, there are two elements of my life that I have to be able to offer uh, unto the Lord. And I, I wrote them, these down because I didn't want to forget the order of them. But if I'm going to be an encourager, if I'm going to help someone else, then I've got two elements, two tools that I can work with. Number one, words. Number two, actions. But to be able to do that, I've got to have two elements working on me. Okay? All right, element number one is I've got to have a wholehearted devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. A wholehearted devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. I cannot encourage someone to be in their faith. I cannot encourage someone to love the Lord Jesus Christ. I can't encourage someone to be faithful in attendance to the house of God if I don't have it in my own self. You can't pass out what you don't have. You've got to have some. You've got to have it on the inside. So if I'm going to say, well, God, I want to be an encourager. I want to have the good words and I want to have the good actions. Okay, that's good. Let's start here. This is where the work starts. Now, are you wholeheartedly in love with the Lord Jesus Christ? You can't give away what you don't possess. You can't demonstrate what you don't have a hold of. So that's step number one for your own self. Number two, then... Uh, you've got to look for the grace of God working in other people's lives. And instead of looking at yourself and having a self-worldview, you've got to have a biblical worldview looking out at others. So for me to have the words of an encourager, the actions of an encourager inside here, I've got to have a wholehearted devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ, and then I've got to be able to say it's not all about me, it's about others that I'll have that element of faith, okay? Let's go back to his name. Let's go back to uh, Barnabas, and when we go to his name, that B-A-R, son of, and that Nabus, that is the exhortation, that the son of consolation, or the son of encouragement. Now, if I'm taking these elements in here, I want you to turn with me to another passage of scripture we finished up this Sunday morning with John Mark, Acts 15. Paul, he, he told John Mark, 
John, you quit on me on the last trip. I'm not going to take you on this trip. Devastated John Mark. He was hurt. Paul, I can plead Paul's case. We all can do that. He's, he's putting God first, the works first. He's serious. I understand that. I can plead his case. But I can also go over here and I can take Barnabas and plead his case that he saw in John Mark potential. And he said, you know what, Paul, I love you. You go on and I'm going to stay here. I'm going to encourage John Mark. And this is about the year 50, 52 A.D. after the death of Christ. And all you got to do is go down through time about 12, 14 years to about uh, 62, 64 A.D., and you've got the book of Mark in your New Testament being written by this broken man named John Mark. And, and what God saw was that God saw that God, he doesn't throw the clay away. Oh, he is the God of the second chance. And you don't know what God's going to do with somebody that you invest in, that you encourage. You, you may be helping someone that's going to, touch hundreds or thousands of lives for the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't know. You may be blessing and encouraging someone that's going to be an entrepreneur, you know, and they're going to be able to use their money to bless the Lord. They said that uh, three or four men uh, uh, over this last year, uh, I think it was uh, the uh, inventor and designer of uh, Microsoft and... Uh, uh, Amazon and a couple of others and their personal wealth some of them increased 34 billion dollars in 12 months another one 37 billion dollars in in uh, in these past 12 months and between four or five of them is over a trillion dollars in 12 months well you don't know you may have somebody in this auditorium or in one of our Sunday school classes or in the nursery, we don't know. We may have the next Buffett that's running around here playing. You, you don't know. You may have the next guy that's... And, and what about somebody like that gets saved, fall in love with the Lamb of God and their tithe? Well, the Lord's blessed me this year. My tithe's $3.5 billion. Y'all do something for the Lord. That's the tithe. That's not the offering. Huh? Can you imagine? No, well, you can't imagine. No, I can't imagine. You gotta, you gotta get past yourself. You gotta get past yourself. You gotta get excited about serving the Lord. The potential is there to change the world. He didn't save us to sit here and to look at a rut because if you keep hanging around a rut, it turns into a grave. There's walls on all, all sides of you, huh? You've got to get out of the rut and say, you know what, I'm going to serve the Lord, I'm going to be joyous, I'm going to be victorious, and I'm going to be an encourager. And you don't know, we have no idea of the potential of what God's doing in the lives of people that we minister to every single week. And so this is what Barnabas did. He saw the potential. He went to work with John Mark. All right, but I got another one for you. Uh, uh, I, I used that word this morning to close the message, encourager, the Greek word, parakelo, P-A-R-A-K-E-L-O. And it means to call to one side. 
or it means to comfort, to hold, to embrace, or it means to console. Uh, it sort of has to do with when you have, buddy, the wind knocked out of you and, you, and you're hurting so bad, you know, uh, some people uh, that in this auditorium, you've had things happen to you knock the wind out of you, you know. Uh, I, I was praying for you guys over the holidays. Uh, it's changed since Scotty's gone to heaven. It knocked the wind out of you. But boy, the Holy Ghost of God, they lost their wonderful son, adult son, great husband, great father. And, and, and you know, those, those things, they knock the wind out of you. And, and you, you can't go on. You can't live unless God helps you. But he said he'll send the encourager. He'll send the consoler. He'll send the comforter. And he'll hold you and embrace you. He'll let you catch your breath. You had the breath knocked out of you. You don't know what to do, what to say, or how to act. It just takes it away. I can't even think. And here he comes. Well, let me just hold you till you catch your breath. <laughs> you see, this encouraging business is important because everybody in this building at one day or another, you needed encouragement. Huh? Have you, is there anybody in this building that never needed encouragement? If you do, I want a blood transfusion. Huh? We all do. If you're breathing, it helps to be comforted by heaven, consoled, encouraged. But the uh, fourth meaning of that Greek word, I like this part of it. It says to strengthen. Because I'm carrying a burden, you're carrying a burden, you're in a battle, you're going through a hard place. And you know what it is? It's exhausting. You get exhausted emotionally physically, spiritually, just exhausted. And God said, when I send the encourager, not only will I hold you, not only will I comfort you, but I will strengthen you till you get back on your feet. What about that? All that's wrapped up in that word. So what did Bar Barnabas do? He said, Paul, you go on. I'll stay here, and I'm going to bring John Mark along my side. And I'm going to hold him up. And I'm going to pet him. You, you hurt his feelings, Paul. You knocked the breath out of that boy. He wanted to go with you. Well, he messed up. He quit. I can't have him quit again. Okay. Go on. You're, you're the boss man. And he took off. And he stayed with old John Mark. And he petted him. He loved him. He strengthened him. And he let him get on his feet spiritually. And then John Mark said, there ain't nobody like Jesus. He got something that you can't explain. He said, I'll, I'll spend my life being a servant. I'll never quit again. And that's how you got the book of Mark. And Mark's built around the servanthood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why there's no genealogy. There's one in Matthew, but there's no gene genealogy in Mark because a servant doesn't have a pedigree. He's just a servant. He got bought off the slave block. And that's where God found you. That's where God found me. I couldn't redeem myself. I couldn't save myself. But he turned me around. And, and there you are. There I am. Mark's 
Took him 14 years to get there, but bless God he got there. <laughs> hey, hey, you say, well, I, I want him to do it. No, God don't always do it on our timetable. But when he got there, he had the anointing of God on his life. Let me give you another one. Turn to chapter 11. Go to Acts 11. I believe that's where I want to go next. Well, let me back up to chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. I'm going to read to you beginning in verse... We're about out of time. Let me run down here to 26. And when Saul was come... This is Acts 9, verse 26. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples. But they were all afraid of him. Now, Saul is, is who? Paul, okay. So he got saved on the road to Damascus, and they don't believe him. And look what it says, and believe not that he was a disciple. Verse 27, bless God, you don't think God wrote this book? Look what happened. But Barnabas, there he is again, that old encourager, old Barnabas, took him and brought him to the apostles. I can't preach this. It messes my mind up. And declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way, and he had spoken to him, and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And he was with him coming in and going out at Jerusalem. And he spake boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and disputed against the Grecians, but when they went about to slay him. Look what happened. Barnabas who rescued John Mark, right? Chapter 15. In chapter 9, this guy that he fell in love with, the Apostle Paul, and he's the one that he's not going to go with. He's gonna, he, he wanted to go with Paul. He wanted to travel with him, but he's going to rescue John Mark. But if I back up six chapters in chapter 9, we forget that he's the one that rescued Paul. He's the one that made sure we had a New Testament. Barnabas, is he's the one that rescued Paul. Look what all Paul wrote. Look at all the books of the Bible. And the disciples, they were not going to receive Paul. They were afraid of him. They didn't trust him. And this old encourager, Barnabas, he goes and gets him, and he brings him to the apostles. This is where I got blessed studying on this. And, and he, this is the time you say, Paul, it's time to give you personal testimony. Tell them what happened on the road to Damascus. If you've got the goods, you tell them what you got. And you give them your testimony. No, he doesn't do that. Paul's standing here, this great orator, this great intellect, genius IQ, one of the world's wealthiest men at that time, with all the skill sets that God gave him to be the great, great oracle of the New Testament church and the cause of Christ. And he's standing there like a little kid and Barnabas is saying, let me tell you what God did for him. He's going down the road to Damascus and God hit him with a lightning bolt, knocked him off a horse and saved his soul, turned him around. And it's Barnabas giving Paul's testimony. <laughs> that, blessed the, that blessed the lilies off me. I tell you what, I just love that. You think about that. It, it, Barnabas is giving Paul's testimony. And Paul, this great orator, this great writer, this great intellect, he's standing there. And we got Barnabas, 
a Levite from the island of Cyprus. <laughs> you can't outfox God. He's got it all organized. Now, go to chapter 11. <laughs> I got to get you out of here. I'll be here all night talking about these happy things. Acts 11, uh, verse 18. And when they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also uh, to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen, remember Stephen the martyr, traveled as far as Phoenix and, and uh, Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word, <clears throat> none but unto the Jews only, okay? And some of them which were men, some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, and when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, to the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 21. And the hand of the Lord was with them. And here it is again. And a great number did what? Believe and turned unto the Lord. In every one of these places, not everybody, but a great number, turned unto the Lord. They believed. Verse 22 is where I'm headed. Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church was in Jerusalem. And they sent forth who? Our hero of the day, Mr. Barnabas. Mr. Encourager, sunshine and roses. They sent Barnabas. They said, Barnabas, everybody trusts you. Everybody believes in you. And we're going to send you over to Antioch to find out if it's real. Verse 23. Who, when he came, had seen the what? Grace of God. What did we just read about in, in John 1.14? What did we just read about in Acts chapter 4? Grace of God, grace of God, grace of God. All right? And when he got to Antioch, guess what he ran? Slapped right into, hit him right between the eyes grace of God. He said this isn't superficial. It's not of the flesh. It's not of men. He said I meet the grace of God. And look what happened. Barnabas was glad and it exhorted them all. Now you talk about a play on words. Here's Barnabas, the son of consolation, son of encouragement, and God put in his word in verse 23, that the encourager encouraged them. He exhorted them all. That's what that verse means, verse 23. That with purpose of heart, that's what I just talked about a moment ago, wholehearted in love with Christ, they would cleave unto the Lord. Now, verse 24, we get the character of Barnabas again. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. And then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek who? Saul. He went after Paul. Now, I don't have time to go finish this story. But if you think Barnabas was an egotist, if you think he wanted to build his name and his reputation, God's moving, revival's breaking out, people are getting saved, and he would have just gathered everybody together and said, you come and hear Barnabas. I got the goods. And he left and went and got 
Paul and brought him back to town. He said, it's not about me. It's about him. These people need what Paul has for the Gentiles to be saved. They need to hear the teaching of this man that was a Sanhedrin, an intellect. He was in the council of Jerusalem. He was a part of the temple uh, group there in Jerusalem. And he has turned loose of the law, the laws of Moses, and he's holding on to the bloodstained hand of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I'm going to go get Paul, Barnabas. Boy, isn't he a great guy? Have you ever picked up on how many places he's in there? And, what, and they sent for him. The disciples used him. The church used him. Why? Because he was an encourager. And my prayer today is that we will be encouragers. That we'll encourage one another. And that before too long I hear somebody talking about you. And they say, boy, he reminds me. She reminds me of Barnabas. Not Barabbas. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, thank you for this night, these wonderful people. Bless your word. Make it life and light into our lives. And may we love you with all of our hearts. And may we learn to be one that comforts, one that consoles, one that strengthens, that we can point men to the Lord Jesus. Thank you for being with us today. I pray that today God spoke to your heart. You know, it's one thing to hear Ralph talk. It's one thing to hear a choir sing. It's one thing to hear a group bring a special song presentation. But it's altogether different when you're sitting there in that hotel room, in your house, maybe listening on your phone while you're at work, and God speaks to your heart. That's not me. That's not a Baptist or Methodist or Presbyterian church. That's God. That's personal. That's you. And the Bible teaches quite clearly that when God touches your heart, when he speaks to you, that you can call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. This Bible teaches that all of us have to have him. You say, well, Brother Ralph, your dad was a preacher. My dad being a preacher couldn't help me. Well, you say your mama taught Sunday school and she prayed. That couldn't help me. The Bible says that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says, not me, not the Baptist, the Bible says that there's none righteous, though not one. Today is the day of salvation. You can begin anew. It can start over. The past can be covered by the blood. You can get out of living in your rearview mirror, the guilt, the problems. God can forgive you and you can start over today. You say, Brother Ralph, how is that possible? Well, a simple prayer is that very beginning. God, be merciful unto me, a sinner. I'm sorry for my sin. Please forgive me. And I promise you, God, from this day forward, I'll serve you with the rest of my life. You can begin again in Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you to read your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, you call us, you write to us. We'll send you a copy of the Word of God. And I want to encourage you to get into a local church, a church in your community, that you can have a fellowship of faith that will help you grow and teach you about the Word of God. Today's the day of salvation. This is 
the first day of the rest of your life. Let's serve the Lord together and let's meet each other in heaven. I'll be praying for you and I ask you to pray for me.